0: Hello, my fellow fallible humans. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and this is the Red Roof Recovery Show, an addiction recovery program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. I want to take a moment to thank my friend, a very talented musician, songwriter, Russell Allen Scott, for gifting me the use of this beautiful song called Greatest Bravery. Thanks, Russell. Red Roof Recovery is founded on what has worked for me in my sustainable Recovery, the operative word there is sustainable. And that has been the principles of CBT, an acronym for Cognitive Behavioral Therapies. I was introduced to CBT by yet another acronym, uh, SMART, Self-Management and Recovery Training. SMART is an alternative recovery path to the more common 12-step programs that are used in many rehab facilities. Uh, When I checked into a rehab back in 2009, 12-step programs were the only model of recovery available in the uh, whole recovery landscape. The 12-step program of Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, was uh, what I basically uh, sunk my teeth in early in my recovery. And then I learned that there are literally hundreds of tools of recovery to choose from. But as a society, we've been conditioned to believe that we have to follow a program in order to have any success in recovery. I'm now a facilitator with SMART Recovery. I host online meetings, and a lot of people are attending those meetings to attain what is called a verification form, which they need for either their employer or their parole officers. 12-step programs at one time were the only game in town for many years, so it's nice to see programs like SMART Cropping up in the field to offer a more secular approach to addiction recovery, more evidence-based. On today's episode of Red Roof Recovery, I'm grateful to have my partner and best friend with me. Sir Lancelot is my husband of more than three decades and has lived with me through my addictions. And he offers some great perspective to family members who are living with loved ones who are still suffering with addiction. And most of the inquiries that we receive are from family members who are trying to help their loved ones. And the sad reality is that there's very little you can do as a family member to help your loved one except to help yourself. And that's a really difficult concept for people to grasp. What do you mean? I can't help. Why isn't my love enough? But all you can do, there's great power in knowing that the only thing we can control in life is ourselves. So you need to help yourself. Today, we're going to be delving into the topic of denial. And in recovery circles, the joke is that denial is more than a big river in Egypt. (laughs) Denial, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol for 20 plus years of my life, and denial ran very deep for me. Uh, So deep, in fact, when I went to visit my doctor to talk about the elevated liver enzymes I had. And she learned that I was drinking about three to five drinks a day on average. I actually lied, it was probably closer to 10. And she said, so you're an alcoholic. And uh, I, was, I was just flabbergasted that she would call me an alcoholic. Uh, so my solution to that was to find another doctor.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about <laughs> so that.
0: That's denial, yeah. I changed doctors.
1: Well, let's talk about that now because after the doctor told you that, what did you do?
0: I got in a new doctor.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what did you do when you got home? Uh,
0: I had a couple of drinks, and probably. You phoned,
1: and you phoned your friends. Oh, I
0: found yes, thank you. I phoned my friends and what did uh, looking for say? confirmation bias, of course.
1: right? And they said the same as you.
0: Well, yeah, because I was hanging around with people who all suffered with substance use disorder, alcohol use disorder. Uh, you know, my suppliers were some of my best friends. So we were all... Uh, traveling in the same boat.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've had this conversation when you were going through your throws. If you asked the Canadian population to abstain from alcohol for one year, doesn't matter what happens, birthdays, celebrations, whatever, no alcohol for one year, how many, what percentage do you think will be able to abstain for a year? Because I'm thinking it's pretty low.
0: Probably pretty low. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's what—that was one of my aha moments. Many years later, after the doctor encounter, uh, we were in Spain, and one of my friends in Spain, after the Christmas uh, overindulgence of you know food and booze and everything, mm-hmm. uh, she said we met for our normal imbibing in mid-afternoon, the siesta, and uh, she was having a soft drink, and I said, what? you're not having a drink? And she said, no. She said, I'm having a dry January. I do it every year. And I said, that's a great idea. I'll join you. <laughs> I couldn't even last the day. So then I knew that I no longer had control over this. It was controlling me.
1: So you couldn't deny it any
0: longer? It, well, I still uh, managed to deny it. What? We arrived in Spain in 2007. I didn't seek help until 2009. So yeah, there was still,
1: still some... Denial running, but there must be certain amount of uh, dissidence going on in your brain, as in. I think it started with the dry
0: January, realizing I couldn't even last the day because you know I didn't have a reason to stop. Before I was managing my addictions quite well through, you know, I didn't lose stuff that my friends were losing. I never lost my family, never lost a job, never lost a vehicle. Uh, So I was one of the lucky ones. Didn't Mm. end up in jail for driving drunk or killing someone while driving drunk.
1: Yeah, you were very lucky.
0: I was very, very lucky. Mm -hmm. In SMART uh, self-management and recovery training, uh, the alternative to 12-step programs, you can find them at smartrecovery.org. They have something called stages of change. And what I find, the longer I'm in recovery and the longer I'm working with people who are still struggling with substance and alcohol use disorders... I find that timing needs to be a, needs to be in place for people. The motivation needs to be there, um, and there needs to be a decision from them to change. You know, oh. interventions. I don't think work. I haven't seen an intervention work successfully yet. It could any work change in life
1: needs that, mm-hmm. not so just it, alcohol,
0: right? So I love that SMART has all these neat little tools and templates that we can use in recovery. I love tools, I love templates, and I love acronyms because it helps me remember. So the stages of change start with pre-contemplation, where I stayed for 20 years. And pre-contemplation is, stop bugging me, I don't have a problem. I've got this under control. So the strategies around that, when you find yourself in pre-contemplation is to be honest. I mean, that's even one of the the main tenets of 12-step programs. You need to be honest in the program with yourself. And then you examine the whole situation. And again, SMART offers cognitive behavioral tools for that as well. Uh, Cognitive being thinking, and then of course the behavior is the actual behavior, actions, uh, the consequence of the thoughts lead to our behaviors. And then attending meetings, smartrecovery.org, like everybody, everything migrated to Zoom uh, during the pandemic and a lot of the meetings are still on Zoom. So you can access online meetings 24 seven. And then a lot of the in-person meetings are available now. We're doing two weekly here in Godrich and the one I initially started in the Waterloo region of Ontario, uh, that's uh, back up and running now at the Kitchener Community Centre. And Smart Recovery has a fantastic app. I just love the app. They've done such a great job on that app. And you can access meetings from the app. Um, So uh, do a search on your phone for Smart Recovery. And uh, you can uh, find meetings, just uh, put in your postal code, and also daily motivation, which I love, and the toolbox. You can access a lot of the major tools that we talk about at meetings, um, from this app. So get the Smart Recovery app, highly recommended. The next stage of change, oh, and then the tools, of course, you can use in pre-contemplation, a variety of them, um, the hierarchy of values where you define what it is that you want in life. I mean, how often have we a- actually sat down to think about what do I want? It's, it's just unheard sad. of. It's not something that we're encouraged to do. No. Who do you think you are? What do you mean what you want? You are on this planet to provide and perform, especially if you're a
1: parent. I'm 63 and I still don't know what I want.
0: (laughs) And it goes fast.
1: It goes very fast. Mm
0: -hmm. So Mm. sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and write down, what do I want? What am I doing about it? How do I feel about what I'm doing about it? Uh, SMART is all about helping us direct rational analysis inward so we can bring forth some of this contemplative stuff that kind of stays stuck inside of us. We're not encouraged to bring it out. So directing rational analysis inward uh, prevents us from, I think, uh, reacting. We learn how to respond instead of react.
1: Respond instead of react.
0: I had a lot of complaints compulsive reactions happening in life that I started to address (laughs) not only after once I got my addictions in check, then I could look at uh, the other things that I wanted to fix in my life, like compulsive reactions. Yeah,
1: you've mellowed out quite a bit.
0: Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I've worked hard at that. Thanks for recognizing that. I appreciate it. (laughs) Can't
1: really fail to notice it.
0: Thanks thanks for sticking around. You you know, you are, I give you all the credit. It's for this marriage. Thank you. It's never been boring. (laughs) Ah, I love you and I really, really like you. Thanks. So the next stage of change is contemplation. So I think I want to change and we're being a little ambivalent, you know, we're on the fence. We're not really unmotivated or in denial, but eh, not really ready to make the commitment. So then we need to get some clarity around the situation. And what what helps with clarity is contemplation. It's one of my favorite words, go contemplate. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Talk to your friends and family. Friends and family can sometimes um, learn communication skills that will help loved ones seek recovery sooner than later. So instead of the blame, shame, complain uh, situation that we all seem to fall into with heightened emotions around communication, when people aren't behaving the way we want them to behave, we can Get sucked into that vortex of unproductive dialogues, which doesn't
1: help. As we've said before, that's a very difficult conversation to have. It is. Because of our learned experience, when someone's in denial that they've got a a problem with addiction, and you bring up that maybe you need to look at this, then there's normally quite a violent reaction. Mm -hmm. So you learn to keep quiet. Yes. Yeah. So when You'd you want to avoid the when, when the people weren't in, in with the addiction are coming to the realization through these steps you learn to keep quiet and it's a very difficult thing to actually turn around and open a dialogue It is because you don't know what's coming and but smart, it's necessary
0: It is definitely necessary and smart recovery has a wonderful approach to that They have a family and friends division that you can check out as well at smartrecovery.org, and In Family and Friends, they offer a template to approach these difficult conversations with your loved ones, or anybody, really. And it's another acronym. (laughs) And this one is PIUS, P-I-U-S, the P being keep it positive, the I means keep it about I, 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 a lot of I statements, not, not you, you, you. It's all about you. And the U is for understanding, so you want to express that you understand where the other person is coming from. And Ideally, if you can repeat back to them exactly what they said, word for word, all the better. And then the S is sharing the responsibility of the situation, but also being, you know, I think it's it's important to stand strong when drawing, and I don't like the word boundaries. I prefer to think of it as a, a, a mutual respect line <laughs> that we're drawing with each other. But it's important to stand firm with that and be consistent, which is really difficult for a lot of people, especially parents, to mm-hmm. remain consistent. So that template, uh, if you want that one, and if you want to uh, have some help with role-playing around that, I'm always happy to do that. I'd love to do it. And you can email me at redroofrecovery at gmail.com, and I will send you that pious worksheet to approach those difficult conversations.
1: So I'm getting back to the denial. Yes. Part of Do you think that um, people don't like change? I found this out when we were networking, and we had a product that it was a a one monthly fee uh, for data, mm-hmm. unlimited data, one monthly fee. And I went into work, and I was having a conversation with this guy who had just got a blended family, and they had three gamers teenage gamers. And he was spending hundreds of dollars a month in excess data usage. And I said, well, I've got this thing. It's less than you're paying for your normal thing now. I think it'd be a good fit for you. And in the end, he turned around and said, no, I'm going to stick with the people who want because he just didn't want to change. Mm.
0: It's quite a paradox of life, isn't it? That we We resist change because
1: we get so comfortable in those comfort zones. So do you think the denial part is because you don't want to change. So if you deny it, you don't have to change. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Don't have to do the work. And a lot of my mentors, you know, there's a lot of commonalities in recovery field with people who are dealing with people in addiction, is that the reluctance to change runs deep. And it's all to do with motivation. You need to be motivated to change. And the problem with addictions is that we we have created a, a dysregulation of our ability to pr- process certain chemicals in our brain. Our brain is a chemical organ. Mm-hmm. It functions on about 80 different chemicals swirling around in there. Uh, the four that we hear the most about in our society are uh, the popular ones are endorphins. And you will hear a lot of uh, runners talk about the endorphin rush that they get. It's a painkiller and um, high, high adrenaline Mm -hmm. feeds. So there's endorphins and then there's dopamine, which the dopamine axis with um, addictions is huge. Dopamine is the motivation chemical. So when we are teaching our brain to function in these irregularly high dopamine levels, we've programmed our brain to be disordered, and that chemical, uh, that do- that dopamine reward axis for sure, in addictions is huge, which is why uh, methadone programs for uh, recovery are not effective because the dosage needs to be monitored throughout the, door, the day because you know, we process dopamine differently when we are uh, disordered in our brain with addictions. And that level needs to be not only monitored, but maintained throughout the day. So somebody gets a dose of dopamine at nine o'clock and, or do, a dose of um, methadone, methadone at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, By five or six in the evening, that level has now petered out to where they are jonesing big time.
1: But aren't you just substituting one hit for another? Like, are they, do they affect you differently? Like the the drug of choice, be it heroin or crack or whatever? Well,
0: if you listen to people who deal uh, primarily with addictions, psychiatrists who deal primarily with addictions, they say an addiction is an addiction is an addiction. It doesn't matter if it's gambling or internet gaming or pornography.
1: Yeah, but you can't get a methadone shot to stop shopping. No, that's true. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, aren't you just substituting your heroin addiction for methadone addiction.
0: Well, there is that. There is that train of thought because it's 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 also kind of a life, lifelong uh, sentence as well. But we're getting off topic, and we've only got ten minutes left. As we do. How right? unusual for us. I know. So again, if you, if you, <laughs> I've got another little nifty template uh, to get the, your daily dose. We've got a feel good pharmacy inside of us, and we can activate our chemicals, uh, those helpful chemicals of endorphins and serotonin and oxytocin and dopamine, uh, we can do it uh, with different actions and and behaviors naturally. So I'm happy to send that to you as well, redroofrecovery at gmail.com. So now we get in the preparation stages of change as we are contemplating whether or not we need to seek recovery to overcome addictions. And the next one, after pre-contemplation, contemplation. Then there's preparation. So now I know I need to change, but how do I do it? So for me, the preparation stage was, I was so drunk one night, uh, clearly seeking help, decided that I need, needed help. And I was online looking at all the different options. And when I got up the next morning, uh, dragging myself around hungover and uh, topping up my coffee with whatever, Bailey's Irish cream, I got a call from Anthony at Serenity House. He said, oh, hi, Tanya, it's Anthony at Serenity House. Oh, hi, Anthony, I'm oh, Serenity House. Oh. He said, yeah, you emailed me last night asking for help. And you can't remember. I couldn't remember. But I was definitely, that's, that's definitely the preparation stage. I knew I needed help, wasn't sure how, how to do it, so I reached out online for someone to help. So considering my options, uh, taking the small steps, that was certainly a small step for me to reach out. Send an email to somebody who might be able to help. And then looking ahead instead of backwards. Uh, so that's huge, right? Because our mind is uh, a computer processor that is just keeping memories for us. And that's why we're processing yeah. 60,000, 70,000 thoughts a day that are all about what's happened in the past. It's
1: so an accumulation of that. It is. It is.
0: Uh, so we need to l- learn how to look ahead. You know, I can't go back and... Create a new past, but I can start from today and create a new future. And again, some of the tools that uh, SMART offers, risk rewards, cost-benefit analysis. uh, That's what we did with you every week to convince you to retire sooner than later. Yay! I
1: love the cost-benefit
0: analysis. The what? And here we are. And here we are. Uh, There's a change plan worksheet. Fantastic SMART And that's a SMART goal worksheet, change plan worksheet. So that's another acronym (laughs) when we're planning goals. Uh, Lance hates acronyms. That's why I'm laughing every time I say acronym. So setting SMART goals is uh, you make them specific. You make them um, measurable. You make them attainable, uh, realistic, and time bound. So that's a SMART goal acronym. So you update your change plan based on that SMART goal. And urge management, uh, huge because of that dopamine reward axis, right? So now our dopamine levels have fallen. And how do we, it's like a vacuum. You you talk about the vacuum. If we give up something, there's going to be a vacuum to fill.
1: You've always got to fill a vacuum. How do we fill it?
0: Well, we've got feel-good pharmacy of chemicals rolling around in our body that we can use just by doing different activities naturally, drug-free. So learning how to do that naturally, get the dopamine Mm -hmm. levels um, revving up naturally without the drugs and alcohol or other behaviors that are giving us those uh, irregular dopamine boosts. And then we go into action as the next stage of change. So now I'm working on changing my behavior and gaining an understanding of my emotions. That was huge because I was self-medicating emotions from, from my life. For, from the time I took my first drink when I was about 11, I was self-medicating emotions. And then building relationships, peer support, huge. And identifying, committing to trying new coping strategies. There are hundreds, hundreds of ways, tools, in recovery. You don't need a program. You just need to find something that resonates with you that you're gonna do every day. That's all you need to do. Find something that clicks with you. And when you find it, you grab onto it with both hands and you keep doing more of it. And then just keep looking for other things that are gonna keep you motivated to abstain.
1: And if you listen to a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists, people who lack direction, doesn't mean they're you know, they haven't got an addiction that. But if they lack purpose and that, they tend to get more depressed and whatever. So these tips and tools work for everyday people. Absolutely. People without addictions, yeah. I
0: always say it's not just for addictions, it's for life. Yeah. It's life management tools. And then comes the next stage of change, which is maintenance. I'm committed to sticking with abstinence. So in 12-step programs for eight, nine years, I was relapsing every couple of years. I'm happy to say since I became a facilitator with SMART in 2018, I have managed a sustainable recovery. I have abstained from drugs, alcohols, harmful substances and behaviors. So there's a lot to be said about this for me, but it doesn't work for everybody. No. And that's the key. Hundreds of tools to choose from. Find what works for you and then do more of it. Because there's lots to choose from and you don't need a program. But that's another thing. We're socially conditioned to think that you need to check into a rehab for 30 days to have recovery. It's baloney. You just need a commitment and motivation to change. And then find the tools of the hundreds to choose from and do it. Do something that you're gonna do every day. Lots of tools. Get the Smart Recovery app. Take a look at the toolbox.
1: Yeah. Well, society program. program. Programs us to, to look at things like you say. Mm-hmm. We were told that 30 days was the, the minimum for a recovery program. Now you're into 45 and 60 days. I know. And the success rate, as one person said, what is the success rate in addiction? Is it someone that's abstained for one year, ten years, 12 years? If if someone with 30 years of abstinence falls off the wagon. Does that mean the program I took 30 years ago was a failure? Mm. You know, it's a very hard thing to put a metric Absolutely. on. Absolutely.
0: When people ask me, so what's your success rate? It's, it's as successful as you want to make it. Yeah. And then finally, the, uh, the final stage of change is exit. I'm moving on with the rest of my life. Um, in SMART, we say, we don't want you here for life. <laughs> we want you to get on with your life. We want you to design a life you love and that you don't need a vacation from. So you've adopted a new normal and a healthy self-image, you attend meetings to maintain motivation to sustain your abstinence. And then keeping up with uh, the the hierarchy values, asking and answering those three questions on a daily basis, I tell you, magical stuff. Speaking of magic, you are amazing. Thank you lots a lot for being here. Thanks for being my partner in life.
1: You're welcome. Enjoyable.
0: Thank you. And thank you for being part of this show. You are an integral part of my recovery journey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've authored a couple of books. Yes, I know, I love it. Um, Mindful Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad, Sage Advice from a Single Father. I wanted uh, to basically thank my father for his amazing mentorship through my life. Uh, He was a single dad in the 60s while struggling with his own addictions. And I just, I thought I wanted to leave a legacy uh, for him because I lovingly called him Philosopher Dad. He was an avid reader of a lot of Stoic philosophy and he used to pass it on to me, so I jokingly called him Philosopher Dad. So mindful wisdom is some sage advice from a single father to navigate uh, what is often a mindless maze of life. And then during the COVID-19 pandemic, Uh, To maintain my sanity and sobriety, I wrote a second book for my philosopher dad, Daily Wisdom for my philosopher dad, Some Inspiration to Guide Your Days. This one I set up as a journal because journaling for me has been life transformational. So this one is set up with an inspirational saying every day. A lot of them came from my dad. Um, A lot of them came from my life experiences and a lot of timeless wisdom that has been passed on to me from countless mentors in my life. Uh, Mentorship has always been huge for me in life and in recovery. It's actually one of the reasons I resonated with Smart Recovery, Uh, smartrecovery.org. Smart was uh, founded in Mentor, Ohio in 1994 there are no coincidences in life for sure. So this is a fantastic daily journal and with inspirational messages. And I want you to not only buy this book, which you can get at amazon.ca because I'm Canadian and also at the famed town square, Godridge, uh, Fincher's in the square in Godrich, Ontario. They're now carrying my books too. Thank you. So, uh, read the Daily Message, spend a few minutes of contemplation, write your intentions for the day. Uh, In my lifetime, I know that words are powerful, uh, but language is subjective, so how is the language making you feel? Uh, Contemplate, write your intentions for the day. Words are powerful, and the power of the written word is magical and often life transformational, at least it has been for me. Thanks for being here. Remember to talk to yourself like you talk to your best friends. What a great idea. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.